BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Circle Time. Thanks. We're very happy to have you. Would you like to introduce yourself to the Circlers? I usually like to have my sure. guests say hi and who they are and hmm. who you am just I like today? your name. Yeah, my name is Allison Ray Stoner. When I was born, it was raining, and then the sun came out, and the doctors told my parents to name this baby something happy. Really? So all sun rays, Allison Ray. That's beautiful. So I think that's a first share on a podcast. Oh my exclusive. God. Exclusive. Is, this is the Circle Time exclusive. You've heard it here first. I also am an actor and founder and author and what have you, but you know, the baby origin story is that's pretty neat. huge. That it's is neat. huge. So it's R-A-Y, not uh, R-A-E. It's R-A-E. Okay. But, you know, creative license. Love it. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Okay, well, welcome. Welcome. I am so excited to talk to you. Let's go everywhere. I was just listening to your podcast. And I I am so interested Mm. in everything that you have to say because you Mm. have so many interesting things to say. (laughs) And, like, just it's so... It's a smart and it's mm. I I learned so much and I just like you really opened my eyes to a lot and mm. I it just would love for you to do the same for the circlers. Oh yeah, let's do it. So do you want to explain what your podcast is and how sure. you started it and then I would love for you to just like take us through <laughs> your life a little bit and how Ooh. you got to where you are if you want. We can. We can go there. It's very interesting. It's a comfy chair that we're sitting in. So if you've got time, yeah. we can. <laughs> we always have time we to can, get into it. Let's do it. Well, first, the podcast is called Dear Hollywood. And in some ways, I am exposing the Hollywood ecosystem and looking for ways to improve what happens behind closed doors so that young performers, child actors in particular, can be better protected. We see a lot of documentaries and memoirs that show this repeated spiral or mental breakdown or, you know, dealing with um, substance abuse or health issues. And 
no one has ever really examined why exactly that happens or how it unfolds. Like a person doesn't just wake up one day and go from being at the top of everything to, you know, a complete crash. So I, for the last 10 years, having also been, you know, a former kid actor myself and having the lived experience, started researching and studying different fields around child development, the influence of like mass media on a young person's identity formation and looking at family dynamics, looking at legislation, like really just going in and trying to reverse engineer the toddler to train wreck pipeline, which is what I I call it. And so the podcast digs into everything from the psychology of fame and auditions, which I think is an upcoming episode, to what it means to have a stage parent versus a parent who's actually super caring and and level-headed, but still just wasn't prepared for what you got into. Right. So it's... um. It does include a lot of personal anecdotes, as well as some stories about other things that I've witnessed throughout my career. So for the folks who are just like interested in kind of juicy details, there's plenty of those. But there's also hopefully a a deeper mission here to reflect as a as a collective on what it means to have kid laborers in this way. From the outside in, it looks very aspirational, right? Because you only get like a really small part of the story. Yeah. But on the inside, oh, there's like so much else going on. Yeah, for sure. And I feel, and I want to hear from you because you talk about like the child development. You were talking about Piaget and bodily mm-hmm. autonomy and all of that. And I think it, I mean, I majored in child development. So I. Let's talk. Yeah. So I was like, you were speaking my love language, but I just I love it. like, it's just so interesting to me and. I think a lot of times as just like a consumer of like, I mean, I grew up watching you. We're very much, we're the the same age. You're 30. Yeah. Same. And so I feel like I, but I was just, you know, watching and you don't know what's going on at all. And so I think it's so interesting to hear from you generally how it could affect a young child. Mm -hmm. But then also I'm kind of just curious to know like, what it was like what you were dealing with and what you were going through because we don't see that like I wouldn't have known that as someone who was the same age as you just watching tv you know yeah and so I think that's a great point to make that the podcast is not trying to blame or shame or like villainize one person or company it's really like hey I'm aware that y'all have never heard these details exactly. before. Yeah. And, and once you know them, I'm not just going to jump to the conclusion and say it's anyone's fault. Now I just want to have a conversation because yeah. I think collectively we'll come up with some really great ideas about things that need to change. For sure. And because um, I think there's still it, it's still going on. It is. Yes. And it's actually a, a bit worse now because of kid influencers and social sure. media. Yeah, I wanted to get your opinion on yeah. all of that as well. I so I've been I've been studying several fields of like I've been researching quite a few papers. There's one author who actually just released a book called Growing Up in Public. Her name is Devora Heitner. It's not just about kid influencers and entertainers. It's the fact that all children now are, you know, exposed to this globally interconnected 
mass communication that is a tool, which is social media. And how does that affect identity development when you want to simply explore and experiment with who you are, yet you're posting a picture that's permanently online and creating a track record and oops, you thought you wanted to share something, but now someone has used that against you and shared it with the rest of your class. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, there's like growing up is already tough enough for sure. But now there's this heightened, you know, body image focus around. Are you getting likes and comments if you post that? And should you try to change who you are so that someone likes your photo? It's just, you know, I, I have a lot of compassion for young people because a lot of the media training that we had as, you know, young quote unquote, public figures helped at least prepare us for what it meant to receive a barrage of comments that were negative or or even death threats that we had to get security for. But, you know, the average person is not trained to understand, like, we are a digital citizen and here are the rules for for safe (laughs) use of technology. So, yeah, a lot of compassion for kids in general, as well as kid influencers who actually have even fewer legal protections than child actors. So right now, other than the state of Illinois, there is literally zero laws in place to protect kid influencers from their parents, you know, taking their money or exploiting them. Oh my God. And these, that's wild. Some of, Yeah, yeah. It's wild because other forms of child labor are illegal. However, the entertainment realm and social media realm. Yeah. Basically, federal government was like, we're going to, you know, let the states sort out what they want to do individually. Okay. But even for kid actors, there are still 17 states that don't have a single law to protect a kid actor on set, which means when you're on a film set, ironically, the child is the least protected person. That's insane. So is it supposed to just like fall into the parents' decision or like what, where, where, who, how are they being? I think it's both and, right? Like it's the whole ecosystem. So of course, I hope that parents will have more resources, which I'm trying to design with some people to sort of say, hey, before you get into this, here are important questions to ask. Here's a game plan that you need. Here are tools to support your kid's development. But then there's also like on set, supposedly, you know, the set teacher is there to also act as a welfare worker. Mm -hmm. But like, let me just paint this picture real quickly. Let's say the cast has six kids. One of the kids is in a scene on set. The other is in hair and makeup. The other is in the school trailer. The other is somewhere else. Two are hanging out wherever. Right. And you have one set teacher who's supposed to be able to monitor all All of them them. at once. Yeah. And see if anything you know, any rules are being broken. Right. But also the set teacher is paid by the production company. Yeah. So let's say the production company's like, well, we need to get this shot. And if you force these kids to stay in school and not come into class, we're just going to fire you and get a new teacher. Right. Yeah. I mean, so insane. It's just like there's it's messy. Yeah. Because the industry wasn't designed to be a child oriented environment. Right. And like I said, we can improve this. It's not something that we have to just like go and burn down. Right. The whole thing doesn't have to be destroyed. It's literally like, ah, nah, we have more education and awareness. Exactly. And we can like make some improvements. Yeah. Like I think it's one of those things where people are, it's almost been just accepted that it is the way that it is. Right, right, right. But it actually could be so much better. Yeah. And the part here, which is why it feels urgent, is because 
young people are actually losing their lives as a result. Right. So this isn't like, you know, I'm just trying to take a really lovely life and make it even lovelier. Mm -hmm. There are perks and privileges that come with this job, yes. And there are also some really serious, harmful experiences that lead to young people suffering in extreme ways. And and as a result, you know, when I share these three statistics, people usually freak out a bit. So here you go. Um, (laughs) The first, if we're just talking about like the aspect of fame alone, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so we're not even dissecting what's going on on set or like abuse behind the scenes, just the experience of fame. The average lifespan for someone who's famous is 12 to 14 years younger than someone who's not famous in the States. So there's like, we're already signing up to live a shorter life. Yeah. The next fact is people who experience fame are four times more likely to die by suicide. Wow. And then the third is research shows that fame actually has the same addictive properties as drugs do on the brain. So just those three facts alone. Yeah. When you think about exposing a child to the drug of fame, hooking them to the drug of fame before they even have a different map of reality to compare and contrast. They have no other reference point. It's intense to think what we're bringing into their lives. Right. And I can almost guarantee you most parents are not maliciously trying to hurt their kid. Yeah. I wanted to ask your thoughts on the parents of it all. (laughs) Right. Because it's a huge factor. Yeah. I mean... This is something I've been dissecting in therapy for, you know, 15 years now because I have no recollection of my mom ever pushing me, ever saying I wasn't allowed to quit, ever telling me I ought to be famous. Like she was always from my memory saying, hey, is this still fun? Does this still feel like something you're passionate about? Yeah. How can I be supportive? And she made a lot of sacrifices. And I have two other siblings who have their interests and she tried to get us all into the activities we liked. I think it's that she had no idea the long-term impact on my health and development. There there were no preparatory manuals. It's interesting, like as an adult, if you go and get a job, usually there's like a a training period yeah or you at least see a one sheet about the company mm-hmm. and you get like a manual for i don't know their systems and processes you sign with an agent there's no onboarding right you're just now in a job right in a commercial industry and rarely do i think parents are thinking oh my child is the product for sale i think they're thinking oh my child has a passion for yeah, this. Of course. Like, yeah, it's not really like the, not always like a malicious right intent behind it. And no, yeah. like and it's hard because you're talking to these agents who are very, you know, their job is to persuade yeah. and to negotiate and do all of those things and if you're a parent and you you don't know this industry and right, right. like how would a lot of parents like Right. They're going to trust the people who are telling them this is the right way. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. Like, right. You're kind of just experiencing this new thing together. Mm-hmm. But the child is, like you said, the product and it doesn't it. They, they would never have it come off that way. So yeah. how would the parent even know? I will say something that's been interesting. So I still work on several animated shows. Two of them are on Disney. I think. Yes. 
And I went to record an episode the other day and the voice director, who I've known since I was a baby, because I've been working for Disney for forever. Yeah. And she was like, I have listened to, you know, all episodes of the podcast and I've never thought about so many of these things that you're bringing up. And she's like a wonderful human. Right. And so caring. And I've only ever had incredibly positive experiences with her. Yeah. And she does play a role in the ecosystem of child and family entertainment. Yeah. But like most people are just, you know, applying for jobs and then they get a job and then they show up for work and then they do their job. Right. We're not necessarily thinking uh, and and nor do I hold it as everyone's sole responsibility to like take the child's well-being you know into consideration right but I think now that we know the outcomes there are some important conversations and simple solutions like if you're gonna be a part of this sort of child entertainment ecosystem there's should probably be a training on what it means to like create a safe workplace. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. like how to interact yeah. with young people. Yeah. Of course. You know? <laughs> and it seems like duh, but it's like it But it's, it's not, there. not there. Yeah. And this is not you're not like taking a child to daycare where people are at least aware. I mean, yes, I know there are horror stories from daycare, but there's like an expectation that there will be toys that are age appropriate and the activities will be age appropriate. Like yeah. kids going to set is like Take your kid to work one day and let me know right. how well they do the Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like it's, it, Let me know how their focus lasts in yeah. that two-hour meeting. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's, it's wild. Okay, so as you know, this year has kind of been a little bit crazy for us. We got married at the beginning of the year. Then we moved and then we found out we are pregnant. And so things have just been wonderful, but a little bit chaotic and fast paced and something that has been such a lifesaver during all of these crazy times is HelloFresh. And as you know, because I've talked about it in my vlogs, I've talked about it on here, I have used HelloFresh for years and I have zero plans of stopping anytime soon. HelloFresh has truly been a lifeline during all of the craziness because a lot of the times when we get so busy, we just resort to ordering in or eating the same one or two meals on repeat. But by using HelloFresh, We get to take meal planning and grocery shopping off the to-do list and we get to enjoy like a range of home-cooked seasonal meals every single week and being able to have this constant changing like these delicious meals that are changing and I'm trying new things and I'm trying out different stuff in the kitchen and like I never thought that I would be a good chef and I'm not saying I'm like a professional but I have learned so much thanks to HelloFresh. And being able to enjoy a quality home-cooked meal with Cody during all of this chaos has just made us both so happy and it's so much fun trying these meals. HelloFresh does the hard part and Cody and I get to enjoy a good home-cooked meal and it's just the best. The produce travels from the farm straight to your door for peak ripeness that you can literally taste. And like I said, these meals are seasonals and the fall meals have been so good. The apple cider cake that we tried with the caramel sauce is delicious. The barbecue pulled pork nachos were good. And they also, I saw that there's a mini pumpkin cheesecake that I cannot wait to try. I just love HelloFresh so much and I know you will all love it too. Cody and I are truly astonished every single time we make a meal because one, 
we're like trying things that we never like making these sauces and stuff that we never would have been able to do without HelloFresh. And then two, every single one of these meals is so tasty. So you really have to try for yourself. I promise you will love it and it will make your life so much easier. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 circle time and use code 50 circle time for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash 50 circle time and use code 50 circle time for 50% off plus free shipping on America's number one meal kit. So I do want to talk about how you kind of started because mm-hmm. I feel like your journey because you stopped working like you made the decision to stop yeah. at one point, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just curious, like what it was like from the start to then and like what you experienced and what led mm. to that. And when you realized that you weren't happy and all mm. of those things. So how did you start acting? Yeah, yeah. Well, I started dancing at three years old in Toledo, Ohio. And I, I'm i sure it was just because my older sister was dancing and I wanted to be just like her. I mean, I, I, you know, bobbed around all the time when music was on. But yeah, I think it was like probably the convenient solution to take multiple kids to yeah. the same location. <laughs> right. Uh, like, great. I'm so glad you all have the same hobbies. Right. <laughs> Excellent. And then around six and seven, I joined this modeling school locally. And again, it was because my sister had an interest in fashion and we in the Midwest were like, what exists here in the realm of modeling? And I'm so, so I think my parents were like, well, this maybe is somewhere to go and try. And I have to say, when I picture a modeling school, I assume that it's going to be like this kind of superficial place that's focused on like strutting down a runway. And these folks were super warm and kind. And it was almost more like how to, you know, speak publicly with confidence and like, okay. what does it mean to, you know, develop yourself as a human? Yeah. So it was, it felt more, I guess, homegrown yeah. <laughs> in that way, but they still every year would take, you know, a handful of their clients to IMTA convention in New York City, International Modeling and Talent Association. And this is like the hub where, you know, the world's leading talent agents, managers, casting directors come to scout new talent. And they have this long list of people like Eva Longoria and is it, I think, Ashton Kutcher and just, you know, all of these people who have experienced lots of success in many ways who were allegedly discovered through the IMTA. Okay. And like, I don't think that got us either because we're not an entertainment family. Like, you know, we watched movies together, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't remember a single thought being like, it would be cool to be famous. Like, right. that was not even in my awareness. Right. And, you were also um, so young. Yeah. A little, yeah. little baby. Yeah. But everything changed when I competed in, I think it was seven categories over a couple days. And so this was like a competition. Oh, Yeah. Thousands of contestants. And what did they have you do? There was a variety of acting, singing, dancing, modeling, songwriting. Like they have a bunch of different categories. I did a handful of them. And I was used to that because of dance convention culture. So I I was kind of like, okay, you wear a contestant number and people refer to you as 6701, (laughs) you know. Um, And so I was already, you know, I was in competitive sports. So I kind of just was like, okay, this. I, I like the challenge right? as a seven-year-old, I suppose. And Are um, you like innately a competitive person? Uh, 
I think I I was okay, but more so with it with myself. It was always you know kind of like that perfectionistic driven, yeah, yeah. achievement driven, right personality. Okay, and I think that happens sometimes when if you experience like you know getting an award at a young age, then it sort of like sets the standard and expectation right. of like right, uh-oh, right. anything less than that yeah. is bad. Yeah, uh, what does that mean? Have I failed? Am I wrong? Um, so definitely had that that inner drive. Meanwhile, my mom's like, just have fun. You know, and I'm like, but winning is more fun. (laughs) So I did end up, you know, getting awards in a number of the categories. And they also had this kind of callback. It was like speed dating, but with agents. Okay. And I had 16 callbacks with these Hollywood agents. And they were like, you have to go to LA. Meanwhile, my family's like, we were just expecting this to be like a weekend type right, of thing. Right, right, right. But there was this idea of possibly trying the industry in LA. Yeah. And so we went for, you know, just a couple months and treated it more like kind of like this special vacation opportunity. Okay. I was still in school, but it was, and it was just my mom and me. But we were like, let's just try it. Well, Sooner than later, I ended up again having, you know, positive feedback in a way where I booked a job and suddenly now you have a contract. Right. And so if you sign it, you have You're to in be it. there. Were you excited about like, were you excited to act? Like, was it like, was it? Yeah. Did I you like so. really, could you grasp like? No, I couldn't grasp like what, what was totally really happening. Was, yeah. Yeah. Like, like my field of view was just whatever room I was in. Right. So in that room, yes, I loved learning lines and performing. I couldn't really fathom what it meant for like my family in Ohio to see a movie with my face in it. Right. And also you come to find out very quickly when you get into the industry that like rarely are you doing jobs that are seen by a lot of people. Right. You're totally. taking like I'm I'm the voice of a leapfrog kids toy and I really like, oh that's cool. You know I've like I have so many random yeah, yeah, jobs. Yeah. I sing the uh jingle for Rascal Ranch Daycare Center. <laughs> you know, like it, which is yeah. a radio ad. Right. So you just don't think about all of the different right. jobs. Totally. Until you're like, oh I was in that Kinko's now <laughs> FedEx commercial yeah. at like you know, seven years old, just standing next to a copy machine. (laughs) So yeah, I do think I enjoyed it. I think I can say with confidence that if I was not enjoying it or I was expressing some sort of signal that it was negative, my mom would have have, stepped in. Yeah, yeah. Instead, I think I already felt a deep responsibility that if the family was making a sacrifice, I like needed, I needed it to 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 work. work. Yeah. And I felt guilty, too, because eventually we uprooted the entire family. And, you know, the promise was that my sisters could also find things that they loved in in California as well. But I've carried that with my my whole life. Like, what would their lives have been like? Yeah. Not only if they got to stay in Ohio, but also if their sibling wasn't, you know, didn't experience some kind of fame that, like, shifted the whole family dynamic. Yeah. So, you know, flash forward... What was the first job you booked? Oh, if I can even remember, there were so many like funny ones. I do remember booking a Barbie commercial. It was industrial. So that means like people at home aren't going to see it. It's just to be shared within okay. the company. Yes. And I got to, you know, try on their new outfits. 
And I felt so sad when I saw the final edit because they essentially like cut me out. And that was the first time I had experienced what felt like, oh, I was missing my two front teeth and like didn't look enough like Barbie and therefore like maybe wasn't the right look. But I thought when they hired me like, oh, it must be okay. This is the wild part. We went as far as to go to this orthodontist who worked with kid actors and made false teeth for us. Really? And we called them flippers. And so I would bring them in and flip in my false teeth. Really? So I had a perfect smile. What was like a retainer? Yeah. Oh my God. And so on set for that job, you know, I was like eager to say, hey, director, like I have this option. I can look more perfect. Right. And they said no. And so to then see the final edit, who knows? Yeah. It could have been a million reasons right. that, you know, my footage didn't look as good as the others. But I internalized the belief like, you know, the other kids were so pretty yeah. and like looked like Barbie. And I never saw myself like that. I just didn't really have that kind of like cute. I wasn't the blonde, blue eyed child. Right. So, yeah, that was that was an early job that still, you know, like left a deeper impression. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. But, you know, kept working all throughout my younger years. And the long story short of it is I just had no idea what kind of health issues were accumulating, the levels of stress. And, you know, people use the word burnout. And I, until you're in it and realize like, oh, your body actually shuts down and you're on bed rest in rehab, like, whoa, I I just hadn't put it together that my body couldn't maintain what was being asked of it. My sort of like coping strategies I saw a lot of my peers, you know, coping with drugs and drinking and or they were partying and it didn't that didn't feel like the path I wanted to go down. But I still had like obsessive eating disorder related behaviors. And I think my response was, oh, this all feels really overwhelming. I'm just going to dissociate and like disconnect. And that was sort of my coping strategy for most of my teen years. Yeah. Like I was, you know, acting and performing and channeling these emotions on cue on camera. Right. But in my personal life and in managing like, you know, strangers coming up to you all the time. Like there's just so many odd experiences that I just like was like, yeah, I I can't, I don't have any tools yet to manage stress and anxiety. I don't know anything about somatics and the company I will 10 years later, you know, co-found. So in the meantime, like got to go offline, right. <laughs> check it out. Like, yeah. See you later. Yeah. Um, which, you know, then led to, of course, like in the moment of rehab and working with therapists and saying like, okay, what does holistic healing look like right now for your mind, your body, your emotions and realizing like the flood of feelings and right. experiences that had been suppressed. Yeah. Like, starting to come up. Ooh, that's a, that was, I mean, it continues to be hard to, to just navigate emotions on a daily basis as a human, but especially after you've shoved it down for yeah, I 15 mean, years. I'm sure. You know, I guess it wasn't 15, but yeah, many years. But still it mm-hmm. all comes rushing out. Yeah, totally. And were you doing that work like after you kind of took a step back from acting or were you still working like, were you still acting and then you started doing that and then you realized how much you had been holding right. in? Yeah. When I So when I was in rehab, that was sort of like, it felt like the only way 
I could show my team that I legitimately needed a break. Okay. Because I was trying to like be, you know, in therapy while working and, but I was still working like, you know, six full-time jobs. Like the equivalent is just, it's absurd the hours that young performer, I mean, a lot of humans, like it's not just this industry, but certainly more than my body could sustain. And your teams are there for you to, continue working they're not there to like protect your well-being well right hopefully they are but yeah many but aren't yes and so I remember thinking like if I go away then you can't reach me yeah and I get to have a real break right and I did need it I did need help and but even when I was in rehab they kept sending auditions did they oh yeah oh, and I was like y'all what yeah (laughs) yeah do you do you hear what (laughs) you're doing right let's take a moment yeah um but coming out of rehab I thought okay did I just go in there to get stronger so that I can return bigger and better than ever yeah or is this a pivot point and it was terrifying to imagine like starting from scratch right that was my biggest fear really was like oh no am I going to become the child actor has been that I never wanted to be. You know, I wanted to prove I can do this forever. Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, actually, I have so many other interests yeah. in life. And I've right. never taken even a second to tend to other parts of myself yeah. and my potential and whatever. So slowly but surely, I felt like I was like tiptoeing away from being in the industry. And I say that I took a break, but technically I've remained on shows since I was six years old. I I don't think I've ever, you know, other than like kind of getting my start, once I started doing voiceover work, like I've pretty much always been on some kind of series. Yeah. It's more so that the way I mentally relate to the industry feels like I have a lot more distance. Okay. And it's just like, oh yeah, I'm going in to do this job. We do this thing. We leave. Now we focus on the company that it's more of like just a just like a job. Yeah. 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 Which feels for me really relieving and safe and comforting. Yeah. I know for others like they just love performing, Mm -hmm. love the catharsis. And for me, I am now deeply appreciating like the community of the team that's building something together. And I like cherish that moment. And I definitely still want to, you know, give my best performance. But then after it's like, so glad to be co-creating something great with you guys. All right. See you next week. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Not going to think about it until then. Right. Which is probably just a relief. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, as you get older, there's so many other responsibilities that you have to tend to anyway. That's like, I don't have time. Exactly. But it's kind of nice to be able to remove yourself and not just be so deep in it where you have lost yourself in the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, speaking of which, like actors playing roles and not being able to differentiate who they are from who the character is. Right. Then you have a kid doing that. It's It's scary. It's got to be so hard because when you're a child, like you don't even know who you are Mm -hmm. yet and what you believe in and what. Right. It's hard for you to even like when you're not playing a role to to realize like you're it's like egocentric and all of those things like you are very much just kind of in like fantasy land to begin with. And but like, I don't know, it's just it's it's got to be so confusing. Yeah, I mean, but but at face value, I think why it's hard to recognize sometimes is because you see young people 
you know, we're like biologically wired to look for opportunities to have our basic survival needs met. So like if my parent or some attachment figure is rewarding me for this kind of behavior that is, you know, performing on stage or or this company is saying, hey, we'll pay you money. And as an adult, you're going to need money to survive. So look, you're finding a, right. an early way to do this thing you're going to need. Like as a little one, you're sort of like, OK, I'm going to do the things that help me know that I have access to community resources, right. shelter. Yeah, you feel like you're you know, setting yourself up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe not even consciously, but like deeply, you're sure. just kind of using the feedback externally and yeah. like figuring out how to navigate being alive. Right. And um, and so it's not until much later when you're like, oh, like yeah. the, the first set of strategies maybe weren't the most effective. Right. For overall, like health and sustainability. Of course. Yeah. It's it's crazy. When you when did you like stop going to school? Like regular school. Uh, oh, it's so sad. Oh, it's so this is like, I feel so sad about this because I loved school. Like I loved learning in classrooms. But second grade was when I started homeschooling. And then by, I think it was, you know, between that age and around 14, I was in I can't even name how many programs. Some were charter schools for performers. Some yeah. were, sometimes I would get to go to public school for like two months. Okay. And then I would book a movie and I'd be like, no, my new friends. Yeah. But also, yay, a movie. Like, right. So I get it. There's like a lot of privilege and perk there. But as a kid, sometimes you're just like, wait, like I just wanted to go to a school dance. Totally. Yeah. But here's the weird thing. As a kid performer, <laughs> so... It, this is so loaded, but companies want to be able to work you as many hours as they can. Mm -hmm. So if you graduate early and get your GED, then you can work as a legal 18. And that's, you know, that's how we call it. They're like, are you legal 18? Are you a legal 18? Are you a legal 18? And because kids are competitive and you yeah. want to get the job, Ugh. then you have this whole generation of young people who's like, yeah, I'll graduate early. Right. And so education sort of gets put by the wayside or it's just not the same kind of priority. Yeah. So I graduated at 14. Okay. From high school. Wow. Because I like pushed myself to complete my packets. Yeah. And work as a legal 18 starting at 14. But then but it's that's so so tricky Saying because like now, it sounds you're wild. you're like not as developed yeah. as an 18 year old. Right. In pretty much any way. But my some of my peers like also even did it earlier than me and then went to college at 14 and graduated college by 18. And you just think about like, that's wild. The social dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Were you like, so were you getting like socially then when you're on set? Oh, I'm so weird because of this life. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like though? Cause like you were working, you were working with, you know, kids, Mm -hmm. your age who are just as weird yeah <laughs> but like what is it like do you guys hang out like is it is there like a social aspect or is it really just like you're kind of doing scenes together and then you're going elsewhere like right, how, right. and like, like colleagues yeah yeah like what is it like and like the the normal experience or normal experiences of like dating or crushes no. or whatever it is like no. what is it like having to do all of that on set 
Yeah. What is it like to have your first date include paparazzi? Um, that, I mean, it's got to be... It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. Right. But yeah, being on set, I mean, every set's different, right? And every family's different. Some families are kind of like reclusive and stay to themselves. And then like the kid has, you know, there are other friends in the neighborhood and they just kind of like treat the project just as a project. Okay. Other families are like, let's all hang out and yeah. get super close. Then there's, you know, family drama as always with any anything. But for me, I found that I kind of had to hold in my awareness the fact that I'm deeply bonding with these people yeah. for like a week or a month, but I'm eventually going to have to say goodbye to them, even though in the script we're family, like we're blood related. Right. And, and even though we might have like really emotionally intimate scenes together that are so vulnerable and heart opening, I'm going to have to say goodbye to them. Yeah. And most likely, you know, you learn after the first couple jobs, like you can't stay in touch with everyone because you you would be trying to stay in touch with thousands of people because you just bounce around right. from gig to gig or yeah. audition to audition. So there was a bittersweetness in learning like how to open up quickly, but then not believe that anything was going to last. Oh, that's so tough. It was really sad. Yeah. I, that's something that that's how I was affected. I don't know how other people were. Yeah. But I've found that that's mirrored in my romantic relationships. Interesting. Where I'm like, okay, let's, you know, we can lean into each other for this time period and yet I'm still kind of like well I I know that eventually this is gonna end yeah. and transition so I'm I'm not gonna totally release into it right so it's that's only happened once actually recently where I was like I think I'm ready to allow myself to just be held yeah. totally and yeah. believe that you're gonna consistently reliably be here right but it, you know it took it took 30 years but yeah, you got there. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Slowly and surely. <laughs> secure attachment. Ugh, what is it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the socializing on set, I think like you have to picture we're kid performers are kind of like mini adults. Yeah. And so the nature of our conversation, our body language, everything is just bizarre. Right. Like we're just weird. <laughs> <laughs> Truly weird. And at least that's I think how I interpret it. Yeah. And you want to go out and you want to just like meet friends anywhere, but you, you can't really because right. you just don't know if people are trying to hang out with you because you're on TV or, yeah, or if they're going to tell tough. you, tell other people your personal business. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a bummer in terms of like authentic friendships and relationships. Right. And I mean, because you just, and like, I feel like your trust was manipulated a lot through that, but also like feeling like, you only have so much time with these certain people and how are yeah. you supposed to fully immerse yourself? And and so it's just not easy. Yeah. And the adults around you too, right, are like on your payroll. You're yeah. thinking of trust. Yeah. So it's like, I know that I think you care about me, but I'm also paying for you to totally care for your family. Yeah. <laughs> so is this really sincere? Yeah. Or it's still kind of transactional. Right. You know. Did you have to kind of like learn that you can't trust everyone the hard way? Or did you already kind of like, was that kind of just built into you realizing these interactions that you were having? Mm, that's interesting. I I think I kind of had a wall up pretty early, but maybe, you know, I did, I did have, you know, a number of times where yes, I got burned or like financially exploited, but I didn't have it as bad as many other people. And I think it was maybe by 
actually observing what my peers went yeah, through yeah. that I thought, ooh, I better to be safe, dissociate so I don't feel anything right. and like stay guarded and not lean on anybody. Yeah. But that, you know, for me, you also have to look at the household that the kid is is raised in. Right. And like we had a certain kind of abusive dynamic with my stepdad and, you know, there's addiction that runs in my family. And so as a kid, I already kind of was like the parentified child. Got it. it I sort of was like, oh, I need to be self-reliant because I yeah. don't know if I can trust, you know, yeah. the caregivers. Yeah. But, you know, I don't want to speak only to the negatives because I also know I had a safe enough household and a special enough household that all of these wonderful things could happen yeah. too. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's both and like light and shadow. Right. Are there people that you were, that you worked with when you were like peers of yours that mm -hmm. became good friends? Like, have you, or have you like re-met anyone? Like, is there mm. a good, because you have, you do have this like bond. Yeah, that's so, it's so interesting because my initial answer is no, even after working on projects for years, yeah. it's but I guess maybe that's what happened in high school for people. You're for like, sure. okay, I guess we go our separate yeah, ways. Yeah. I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, maybe some normalcy there, but there's one person, her name's Annie Gonzalez. Annie and I worked on a, like a kid's, I don't know, like musical theater group or whatever. Okay. Um, and Annie's career took a very different path in terms of, like not really having a breakthrough moment until later. Okay. And so we remained friends all throughout when I kind of started getting busier and she was still auditioning, but hadn't quite landed things. Well, now the roles have reversed. She is like in Eva Longoria's movie, Flame and Hot, I think as the white, the oh, lead, nice. lead yeah, yeah, woman. Yeah. I should know this. I'm like, <laughs> she's like my sister. And she was on Hentified on Netflix. Amazing. I don't know her her resume because I only know her as a like she feels like family and right. we, we don't talk yeah, about that's, the industry much and I don't yeah. have a TV and I don't have Netflix so I'm kind of out of it but really yeah wow. so but she is someone who who I have remained close with and it's a rare thing because you know we're kind of pitted against each other right like we're yeah. pit pitted pitted I don't know English press one I would say pit did yeah. pitted right pit. like either way pitted dates. I know what you're saying yeah. pitted dates yeah. pit, the dates pitted right they think they are okay all right let's so go with go. it cool cool yeah so she and I were you know positioned as competitors yeah and yet what could have been a lot of jealousy yeah. on her side to yeah. see you know maybe my career take off or now jealousy on my side right to see things working out for her as an adult there's really just such a deeper love and respect and support That's there. That's so nice. But the bittersweet thing here is I'm like, wow, out of the thousands of other people, for me at least, Annie feels like the one surefire person I can say yes to. Yeah. Maybe other people have lots of close buds in the industry, but that, has not, that hasn't been my experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. What would you say? I don't know if this is like, if you can even answer this question just off the top of your head, but like, what would, what, what was your like most positive set mm. experience? And what would you say was your like most negative set experience? Ooh, ugh, oh my gosh. Blech. Most positive. There are a lot of fun memories from working on Cheaper by the Dozen. One, actually both were wonderful because there were so many kids. I was, I mean, truly 
one of my favorite movies of uh, all time. Yeah, so I it mean, was. It's such a the good. Kids. Movie. I was watching it yesterday. I'm not gonna lie, but oh, yeah, amazing. it's amazing. Oh. There's so many kids, and I would if I had to guess mm-hmm. what would be positive, I would guess that one just yeah. as a viewer, just because there's so many people your age. Yeah, yeah, and um, and the director Sean Levy, who now I mean has gone on to be like this huge figure in the industry i think he made stranger things or is a producer on it or something okay. but in a million other projects he was great with us like yeah just allowed it to be fun and felt like you know also when it comes to child labor laws like the rules were followed and we went to school when we needed to go to school and everything also i should say Fox, I think, made that 20th Century Fox and our budget was huge. Yeah. So, you know, nowadays you're on these low budget projects and you have like one day to film 20 pages of dialogue. You get one shot and everyone's like overworked and underpaid and all that stuff. But back in the day, (laughs) I think our budget for that, if I remember Googling it once, it was like 130 million or something. Yeah. And and so there were hundreds of people who like only had... I don't know, just less workload, right? Like lower right. workload and we had the resources. Exactly. Makes a difference. Totally. And then another really positive job is Phineas and Ferb, the animated show. Mm-hmm. The creators are like father figures to me and we're now, Disney's bringing it back. And oh, so, really? Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. So next week I think is my first record with them, but that's so exciting. That's been consistently just a, a joyful playful space and I started really young working with them but like it always felt it always felt like this is what the age appropriate version of this is yeah okay Um, so and then in terms of the negative experiences I mean (laughs) the one that comes to mind and I'm gonna try to like not give away all of the details okay but let's just say one of the reasons I decided that I wanted to step away from the industry was once we started shifting into social media and influencers Mm -hmm. were hired. Okay. (laughs) Who were like not trained actors. Totally. Didn't have professional etiquette. Yeah. Often quite self-absorbed. For sure. The whole set dynamic and experience changed dramatically. Yeah. And I have participated in multiple of these. So don't you dare try to locate which one of them. You don't know what we're talking about here. Yeah. But I did not want to, first of all, like, it's so frustrating when you've got the folks who have been doing it for like 20 years. Yeah. And we'll get paid like a fraction of what these this influencer totally. is getting paid. Yeah. But then on top of that, like the influencer doesn't know what they're doing. So we have to like coach them all 100%. day long and help them. Yeah. And you're like, yo, like you could have paused, taken some acting classes, gone to some seminars. For sure. Know, put in a little bit of effort. Yes. Also, hopefully someone would have been like, this is not your strong suit. Don't do it. <laughs> but instead, you know, advertisers right. are like, yeah, put them in there. Exactly. So no shade to like the people who really legitimately want to cross over. Like I think Liza Koshy is a great example of someone who's like so talented and is also working so hard. And like, I cannot wait to see any and all things that she wants to do, whether it's in the industry or out. Yeah. But there are some other folks who are really difficult personalities and who once I, I had to work with many of them on a couple different projects. I was like, Oh, this feels 
like a, a turn for the worst in the industry. Yeah. I got to get out of here. Right. So that's frustrating. Word to the wise. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're wanting to cross over, that's amazing. There is space there. We welcome you and like respect those who have totally, come before you. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it's just it's like you it. I think a lot of times people think that like I want to act. No, I want to act. It'd be fun. I want to be on TV. So many people. Exactly. And there's and they don't realize people that have been doing it for forever. They don't realize the work that goes into it. They yeah, nothing. And then someone's like, oh, he wants to act, actually. So he's going to be on the show. And then he's on the show. And then it's like it's a disaster. Right. And then, okay, you we we must, 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 must give all of the credit to editors (laughs) who are literal magicians. Yeah. Because I have worked with a lot of people <laughs> and I'm like, there's no way this footage is redeemable. Right. <laughs> and somehow, oh, almost frustratingly so. Yeah, you kind of wish. You see yeah. the end result and you're like, it looks like you know what you're doing. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm like, dang it. Right. They're, ah! Yeah. But editors are magicians. Right. Truly. And after that happened earlier when I was on a film project playing opposite someone who it was it was rough for everyone (laughs) it was rough it was rough rough real rough okay and then we saw the end result and like the fandom that resulted for this person and we all just kind of sighed and laughed and we're like oh Oh, god if only you knew yeah but ugh, it's not important. I'm like, all right, cool. On to the next. Right. Yeah. Interesting. I would, you know, I was thinking about that. I, I think about that often. Like sometimes when I see just influencers and stuff who have made the leap and some are, you know, like Liza. Great. Mm-hmm. But some I'm just like, I don't know if you deserve this one. <laughs> is, that, is that mean to say? I don't know. But it's like, it's, <laughs> they're just people who work so hard. And I just, sometimes I'm like, it takes more than just being like, I want to act. Well, and that's where, you know, like, you know, the decision makers are not thinking about talent or like hard work. It's just like it's a numbers game. Right. So that I think also is one reason I don't have a TV or Netflix because I was seeing what felt like to me. And I don't want to I don't want to speak about the industry totally in this way, because I know there are simultaneously like some of the best shows and projects coming out. Right ever like incredible performances the storylines the representation everything is like whoa you know amazing yeah but there are a handful of trends as well where I'm like ooh, the quality is really tanking here (laughs) like what how did this get funded yeah and then you're like oh because those people are attached and right you're doing literally product placement in every scene totally and this is more of like a corporate advertising play than anything yeah so yeah it's you know it's both and but and I and I have no like I'm hardly in the industry anymore and who am I to ever like I don't ever want to be the reason someone doesn't pursue what is a dream or interest of theirs. For sure, absolutely. You know? And I don't know what journey they're on like at a soul level. Maybe yeah. perhaps 
someone doesn't have the the skills right away, but they'll grow into it with yeah. a little practice or yeah. like, you know, so I'm like, try to stay open minded for sure. But after like, you know, doing it for 20 years and then you're like, wait, these sets feel like we're going back in time. Yeah. That's when I was like, yeah, man, this feels a little less interesting. I think I'm going to go start a company. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> what you're doing is amazing. Thank you. It's and, exciting and intense. Yeah. But like, it's, it's, I think, and it's funny that you said how much you loved school when you were so young. Cause I feel like you have taught yourself so much mm. now and you've learned so much and you have, like, when I was listening to you talk on your podcast, it was like, you are a well-informed person wow, who clearly you. loves to learn. And so I feel like you haven't lost that. Thank you for naming that. I received that. <laughs> That's something I have felt really insecure about for most of my life until recently. You know, because when you're not in school environments or you miss all this curriculum, yeah. it feels like, oh, I, I don't know anything that other people in the school system know. Right. So I, I do think I felt like I was playing catch up for many years. But nowadays, something clicked. I think maybe I was just like, I can't keep feeling this imposter syndrome forever. Right. Um, or like, I've read enough papers. Like, come on. Yeah. At some point, you got to give yourself a little credit, Allison. Right. But I think perhaps it was when I did start the company, because I had no background in business in that way. Yeah. And so the learning curve was so steep. Mm -hmm. And to see, my sister's my co-founder, could not have done it without her. To see us actually go from ideation to design and prototyping to, you know, iteration to finding your product market fit to actually like running a company. Yeah. I think that's when I went, oh, maybe I am capable. Yeah. But until then, all of these years was like, I don't know what I'm good for other right. than singing and dancing yeah. on cue. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing amazing. Thanks. And it's just so nice to talk to you. I feel like I could talk to you for a long time. I want to ask you questions, but you know. <laughs> One day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do have one thing I like to do with all of my guests. Is that a Ziploc bag? It is. It's a reusable Ziploc bag. Okay. That, it's really hard to open. But um, are we playing a game? It's a quick. Well, it's kind of it's I take like journal questions for kids, basically, Aww. that you would like ask preschoolers Aww. and ask people them okay. so you can choose one of these and answer it I don't know what they're gonna say can I can I ask you some preschool questions in response <laughs> sure okay can I go first yeah okay if your mood were a color what color are you feeling oh my god I've actually wanted to start doing this at the beginning of every episode ah. but um I think today probably like orange ah I'm just like it's I feel like bright yeah today nice I don't know a little bit like not normal <laughs> okay but like a little bit uh -huh. happy I don't know okay not like common you know what I'm saying for Does sure sense? you feel orange I feel orange yeah what color do you feel I feel orange adjacent I'm peach oh my god that's so nice maybe yeah. that's why we're getting along yeah I'm like maybe kind of like some some tones in yeah. here that's yeah. true. I'm like maybe a little more feeling a little more subtle or muted than you are. Okay. But also still like happy. Beautiful. And a little strange. Always. Yeah. Me, personally. 
And my my sorry, my second question, and then I'll I'll read yours, is if your thoughts were moving from zero to one hundred, how fast are your thoughts moving right now? Oh, ninety. Wow. My thoughts are always moving a little too fast. Okay. They need to slow down. Yeah. But um I think that with being pregnant, they just got faster. Oof, yeah. Could be a superpower, could be could be a lot to manage. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Either way. Okay. What about you? Surprisingly, like 60. Nice. Which is calmer than normal. I feel normal. like calm, like 60. So there's the orange and the peach, right? Yeah, the exactly. 90, 60. That's what's happening. Yeah. We Makes might sense. have been related in another life. I think so. Okay. Your question for me is, oh, I'm going to cry. Have you ever had an imaginary friend? Everybody pulls this one. Oh, really? I, I love it. No, it's so funny. I, I think it might be the color of that. Oh, blue. Um, I think it's like the sparkly blue that people are appealing to. Yeah, better wrap it in I'm going to move it. Have you? So, oh God, is this, it's going to be like a slightly sad answer. It's okay. Don't worry. No imaginary friends died. But I, I felt like because I started working so young, I didn't get a chance to like have any imaginary friends. Okay. Because I needed to know very practical, concrete things about the world. And yeah. I couldn't like let my fantasies guide anything. Okay. What the the silver lining here is that now as an adult, I feel like I've reclaimed my imagination yes. and creativity. Yeah. And um, while you could call them imaginary friends, I suppose I'd they're all of the little parts of ourselves and sub personalities. For sure. Within, in that way, I have lots of yeah. imaginary friends. <laughs> it, I was gonna say it's never too late. Yeah, and I, I'm open. I'm actually taking applications. If anyone's watching and wants <laughs> to apply, I would love an imaginary friendship. I'll be your imaginary friend. Okay, great, perfect. <laughs> Orange and peach. That's us. Come on. That's probably a kid show right, waiting to be written. And here we and are. And we're not hiring influencers. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, I don't count myself, so. <laughs> Me neither. I mean, technically, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that's, you know, that's my job now. But eh. <sighs> anyways. Anyway. Well, <laughs> thank you so, so much. I truly enjoy talking to you so much. And I would oh love Christ. to have you on anytime. Let's and hang. thank you so much for being here. Would you like to tell the circlers, you know, where they could listen to your podcast or where they can find you. Or... Right, right, right. Yeah, if you want to hang out again in, in my part of the circle, <laughs> it's called Dear Hollywood. You can find it on all platforms, um, including YouTube. And uh, you can follow my personal accounts at Allison Stoner. And you will know that Allison really is about being all sun rays. Most people will not. It's true. I'm yeah. experiencing it. If you right now, yay! And if you and if you do come hang out, like drop a little note in the DMs and be like, "Also, Ray, what's happening?" Yes, and I'll be like, "I know where you came yes. from." Circlers, yes, they will. Yeah, Circlers sounds like such a heartwarming name, and also like a great cult. If you We're ever want to, if you ever want to start one. I'd join. Okay, that's all I needed to know. Yeah, based on this interaction, I would sign up. Perfect. Yep. Okay, perfect. Great. All right, well, thank you guys for watching. Love you all. See you next time. See ya. Bye.
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.